Hey guys, today on Nerds in Cars Talking Cards, we're coming to you from a 2014 Toyota Prius somewhere in the middle of rural Missouri. This is Park Cofield representing the SoCal Deep Spawners. John Sexton, also from Deep Spawners. Justin Coffey, uh, Desert Twisters. Kira Sackdolan, also Desert Twisters. And uh, today we're going to be uh, talking about a, a great topic in the old school community, Spike versus Spice. And so our friend Cam Wall, Freezy Bear, has asked to hear our opinion on Spike versus Spice, both in the casual sense and in the bigger tournament style events. What does it mean to you and where do you like to be on that matrix? So really great topic to start with today. Can we first start by defining the definitions of Spice? And Spike? Sure. Yeah. So, so as I understand it, Spike is trying to play the most competitive, uh, you know, the most competitive decks, the best versions of those decks, and specifically setting out to win as much as possible, win the tournament, the and that kind of stuff. So that's that's what I understand Spike to be. And then uh, Spice is, you know, playing what you like, playing uh, weird cards, things off the beaten path, creative, fun stuff that not likely to win necessarily but uh but is trying to accomplish some other maybe a personal goal or something that you enjoy and, and then of course the holy grail is when you can win doing that but uh it's it's harder to do much harder satisfaction right yeah. Now. yeah yeah glyph of destruction on your righteousness powered wall with a sort of ages in play or something yes i don't yeah. know whatever that just is just if but... you need an example yeah that's yeah. shit. yeah <laughs> All right, so who, who wants to start out here? Uh, just your opinion on the, the, the different styles of play in, uh, in the different types of events, and, and where do you like to be uh, when you make your choices? Um, yeah. Well, full disclosure, I'm, I've only been playing Old School Magic for, like, a year, and so, really, <laughs> I my world is is very open to new and different types of things and so I kind of find myself Switzerland with a lot of stuff um, or is it Swiss that's the same thing right um, <laughs> neutral neutral and anyway so I like I do like the concept of winning and I would say that I I gear myself towards trying to win but I wouldn't say that I would ruin the experience of playing fun decks or building fun decks so to speak um, to be able to achieve that. Like, it, I find way more satisfaction in having a fun deck, having people be surprised by the cards that they see in my deck, and then if I get to win, it's just, it's that much sweeter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what are you currently playing? Like, what, what are some of the decks that you've tried, and what are you on right now? For a little while, I was on an Urnum Geddon deck, and it was great. It was really underpowered, all things considered. Considered to the, um, compared to the like the winningest decks right now. It's definitely not like a Paul De Silva deck, um, but now your, your version of it. Was, yeah, yeah, my version of it was not yeah. not the winning version. It was only two color. <laughs> yeah, um, and I've only ever gone like I think I've only gone as far as like a two four in a tournament with it. But mm-hmm. I had now I have a, a Titania Prison deck. Um, well, for a while I had a Titania Prison deck that was more traditional. Um, kind of inspired by um, the Nashville group mm-hmm. um, and a line amongst men because he's super passionate about that that particular uh, type of deck and and it's also great and you know it was mildly powered but it really wasn't taking me anywhere um, 
you know, I was really going like four and two on average, three, three potentially. And now Brian Urbano kind of gave me an idea to do what looks to be more of the deck with Titania in it. So I'm giving that a shot. I haven't played it in a tournament yet, but I'd, I'd like to see how it does. I think it feels pretty good. Okay, great. Well, it sounds like you went from spicy, spicy-er to spiky-er. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you can only lose for so long before you just dabble like a little bit on the spikier side of things. But, yeah, I'm I'm a little more competitive than I might be spicy. Okay, great. What about Justin, you? how about you? Um, well, I I think I'm I'm, I'm probably more on the I, I I guess I like I like to have a competitive deck. Maybe not a full spiky deck, but at least, you know, a 3-3, three 4-2 three, record for me is like, that's great. That means that half the time I was losing and the other half the time I was winning. And that, you know, 4-2 and two feels a little bit better. But um, ultimately, I always like to have at least one sort of, like, pet card, spicy card in a deck that if I get to use it, it will, you know, it, it feels it's like, ooh, fuck yeah, finally I got to play simulacrum on my you know and and direct the damage to a a troll and regenerate like that was my that was my thing for a while and then i moved on to guardian beast which arguably is good in in a troll disco which is what i've been playing for oh too long now yeah stealing that card and uh but it you know it's also not that great um but i just love that card and i had one when i was a kid and reacquired one courtesy of of kathy over here so yep um, I, I think I fall into a category of like I, I like competitive decks. I like I like a deck to work and to win, but I also want to always have something in it that makes it a little more middle, a little more unique than the uh, than the average the average brew. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I yeah I mean at the same time we've been discussing a like a mono white banding Pegasus Abu Jafar clergy of the holy nimbus nonsense deck that i am desperate to build so i mean that's, that's if only you could afford the cards yeah oh, only, those are booze you know i mean we've got like 32 pegasus yeah, well, I've got more than that. <laughs> yeah. what about that blue deck that you want to make too yeah yeah i think okay. i mean there's there's you know you playing the deck you can you could play the deck and win all the time but you know you also might need to uh, get some smelling salts for your opponents to keep them awake while you <laughs> fucking shuffle your cards around and counter everything. Mm-hmm. So, that's kind of where I'm at at least on a, a quick and easy level. Alright. Yeah. What about great. you, John? Where, what, where Are you a, you, you a spike spice? Where do you fall? I think I tend to fall more on the spicy side. Um, just the, the kinds of things that I like to do tend to be a little bit more of the you know, a, a little bit more off the beaten path type stuff is tends to be more fun for me. Um, you know, I like, but I like to play, you, you know, like good versions of weird decks or like the best version I can make, or at least it's fun to think about, like how to take something that might be a little bit, um, you know, suboptimal and how to make it the best version of that or the most interesting, fun version of that. Um, so that that's like if I have free time to think about magic that's the kind of stuff I find myself thinking about. And so, you know, I guess that's telling as far as what I enjoy. What, what's the sp- spiciest thing you think you've played? Oh, that... Oh, well, I think... I, <laughs> so, has an 
Yeah, so s- spicy both in um, both both in card choice and theme um, was the, my hot chicken deck from uh, Bootleggers Ball last year, and so to me uh, this this was probably like the best example. It did not do well in terms of winning record. What, how did you do? Um, I think I was like two four, uh, and I had a couple close games, so it could have been three three. Yeah. You know, um, but like. The, the, it wasn't about the record, you know. For me, it was about the theme of hot chicken, which I love, and and just you know capturing that kind of Nashville hot chicken flavor in the deck. So I spent a lot of time on like um, card selection, uh, choosing like what cards represent what aspects of hot chicken, um, even to the point where I had like a, a red and white checkerboard uh, tablecloth as my play mat. <laughs> And I chose white sleeves to represent the white bread that hot chicken is on. Like, had a mox emerald as the pickle that goes on top, like, even though it was a mono-red deck. So, like, to, to me, that was, that was like, my biggest old-school magic success. And I did win from that the creativity award from that tournament. And so that was the thing that felt the best to me that I've done in old-school. You know, when I play in most tournaments, you know, I end up, like you know, 3-3, three, 4-2, three, something like that, you know, uh, break-even or, or mildly winning record. I'm I'm not expecting to win really any tournament, and I think it's it, I think it's a, about a couple aspects. So, number one, I just don't have that much time to play and get super good. Uh, even, you know, even if I were to play, like, ATOG or something like that, you know, which I know is, is a, an extremely strong and efficient deck that can win quickly like I don't know that I have the time or patience to really practice with it and and get to the point where I could do really well with that or the deck or something like that so that's that part of informs my choices when I go to play even at a tournament where I'll travel and pay a lot of money to go it's like well you know realistically I don't have enough reps to think I'm going to win this thing so what's the most fun or the you know the most interesting thing that I can do or what am I into right now um, but, but the other side of that, which I just experienced actually at the Urza's Chalice event this year, is that I, I tried to play something that was like relatively spicy. I played a, a fairly standard build of Eureka and uh, foolishly put four Sylvan Libraries in it, uh, thinking that that was going to help the deck, and it actually made it much, much worse um, to the point where I lost every match, uh, often because I was paying eight life with Sylvan Library trying to find the cards that the Sylvan Library just should have been in the first place. So I was like paying eight, paying eight, and then get side blasted, or like pay eight, pay eight, and get bolted to death. So it, it wasn't, it didn't do well at all. And it was a, this kind of took me to a point where I was like, I was trying to be a little spicy, trying to be a little creative, but I hadn't had enough reps with the deck, didn't really understand, you know, that Sylvan Library didn't belong in that quantity in the deck and and I feel like you know that was a that was an example of a time when I felt like I kind of blew it to be honest where I was like set myself up to uh not win to the point where I actually didn't have an opponent one round like somebody had dropped and somebody else had not shown up and you know I was so low in the pairings that I actually didn't get to play around because I didn't have an opponent and so I was like okay 
maybe next time I'm going to play something that will at least allow me to stay in the tournament and not just sit around yeah. and burn my mouth on pizza rolls in the basement like a fucking moron. So, yeah, you know, so, so, you know, you kind of go back and forth and it's not definitely not about winning for me. It's more about like setting some kind of personal goal and then, you know, how can I, how can I best achieve that? And, and if I win, then that makes it even better. But yeah. I'm very clearly in the spicy category. No one will no argue doubt. with yeah. you on that. Yeah, I find that I get fixated on one particular card ah. and just feel like there's a way to, to to break it, you know? There's a or or some way to make it a little bit better at least. Yeah. So my you know, my spice uh, brews usually begin with one particular card or one particular interaction, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, do my best to try to make them work. Um, it means that I lose a lot of magic games, but that's not, I mean, my, my motivation isn't necessarily to, to win. I, I also like building a lot of um, theme decks, so the visuals and the art mean a lot to me in the decks. Yeah, like your, uh, uh, your Halloween mono-black Halloween deck, right? Yeah, the mono-black Halloween deck is a good example of that sort of classic horror uh, villains and trying to figure out, um, you know, creatures that are already in the magic uh, sort of uh, library, if you will, and casting them into particular roles. Some of those are easy, Frankenstein's monster, uh, but, you know, I I had to find somebody for, you know, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and I ended up using the Xenic Poltergeist and altering it to look, look like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, I've done a Lord of the Rings Hobbit deck, some dual decks that, you know, try to, you know, cast all the hobbits and dwarves and elves in, um, you know, roles that match a movie or a book. Um, my most recent sort of spicy brew is around the Beast of Bogardan card. Yeah, I was, I was trying to look up a text message interaction yes. that we had that I think perfectly, it perfectly sums up, like, the way Park thinks about magic and just the way that we talk about it amongst ourselves and and what's fun to us and so he sent me a text message I couldn't find the exact one but it was something along the lines of you know I found a card that literally has never been mentioned on discord (laughs) (laughs) and like he he used the search function on discord to see if anyone had ever mentioned this card in any capacity at all and the answer was no no and so and so that was all the catnip park needed (laughs) to to decide (laughs) like this is going to be my next masterpiece and that was the beast of bogart in yeah yeah and so he's like you know no one's talked about it maybe i'll be able to break it and i was like well maybe no one's talking about it for a reason and he's like no i'm gonna find a way so (laughs) So that's that about sums it up. I think. What's that card do for those? Yeah, yeah. It's I don't even know. It's from the legend. It's from Legends. It's a one red, three colorless, I believe, or maybe it's four colorless. Yeah, it's four. It's four colorless and one red. Um, And it starts as a three-three creature. Yeah. And then if your opponent has a white permanent in play, it gets plus one, plus one Mm. for each permanent, or just for just 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 one. But it also has protection from red. Protection from red, so it's yeah. you know, bolt proof, um, earthquake proof. Um, I don't know. I love it. I so I put it in a, a deck that I call Gauntlet of Slight, which also uses <laughs> Gauntlet of Might um, and Slight of Mind to yeah. have some foolery around you know the protection words that exist mm-hmm. in the deck. Um, it's one of the few cards that mentions two different colors. 
Yeah. Like there, yeah. I don't, I can't recall another one off the top of my head, but like it, it's pretty rare to see that. So. I mean, the only other thing I'll add about spice versus spike is just a, a an interesting tidbit, perhaps, and a glimpse into my own. Um, uh, personal home life when it comes to magic. I was playing a, a Skype game in the recent winter derby, uh, and I had my headphones on. My wife was in, you know, just in the uh, uh, on the couch, just you know, a couple feet from where I'm playing this game. And I remember uttering the phrase, "Ooh, that's so spicy," uh-huh. <laughs> and just hearing her sort of chortle and laugh at this interaction that's happening on the the computer. So yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely in the in the spicy camp. Yeah, we 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 have a we actually have a pretty spicy uh, a deck that we play often. Oh yes, and it's unsleeved. Unsleeved mono black mm-hmm. um, called it, Raise the Lord. Yeah, it's Raise the Lord, and it's gone through numerous iterations, um, and it, its current form is sort of um, semi-effective. It, I mean, it has its days, yeah. and those days are very enjoyable. And even when they're not, like, the idea that you can, like, you can raise the Lord, obviously, we use raise dead to bring the Lord back from the graveyard, sort Lord of. Lord of the Pit, Or, excuse yeah. me, Lord of the Pit. And, and that's a very satisfying moment for everyone. But even when you hard cast it, like, there's just, all around the table, there's just this, like, little moment of excitement and joy and... At seeing Lord of the at Pit. At seeing Lord yeah. of the Pit. And, and, and actually having having an opportunity to potentially attack with him and survive a turn. And most of the time we just die from him. But, a lot of times, yeah. Um, I mean, it runs like Will-O-The-Wisp and, and, and like cheap, you know, black creatures that, that you can sacrifice and also has some raised deads to get them back to your hand to play yeah. again. And, uh, I mean, and every time we raise the Lord, whomever does it, the opponent must sign. Everyone gets to sign this card. So, as you can imagine, there's like there are a lot of dicks on this card already. Yep. I mean, we have two of them, I think, in the deck. There's four in the four deck that, now, yeah. Well, three are... One is off-limits, three are fully covered in, like, random paraphernalia. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. the interaction. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like and I think that. that, like, I actually... I get more joy out of playing that deck than I do playing, a, you know, anything that's even slightly competitive that I that I have that... Um, I, there's less... I don't know. There's less stress. Like oh, yeah. you're not you're not uh, upset that it's not working because you know it's not really going to work. <laughs> yeah. And when it, when you do when you do get like a you know when you do get the Lord out and you've got some shit to sack to him and you're not going to take seven but they're going to take six or seven. You know you're like ah. It does it. And then Brian Urbano steals it with a sea singer, and uh, you know and then you you feel. Yeah, you feel like you failed, but yeah. whatever. It, it's, it's it's more the the surprise and delight when it actually does work. Yes. Yeah. For, with, with the expectation that it's probably not, versus the expectation of winning and then getting pissed every time it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. 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 There's, there's yeah. nothing worse than than building a deck and, and stewing on it for. Well, and dedicating for weeks yourself. Yeah. And spending money maybe to, to get the things you don't have to to make it and then play it and it's a total pile of shit. Or you get beat by mono black. Yeah. 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 And then you know yeah some guy with a with a forty dollar mono black deck beats down on your the thing you've been brewing for months and yeah. spending your money on and yeah whatever. I mean and part of this deck because it's unsleeved like just pulling it out of the little deck box that we have for it and watching people like look this like momentary flash of terror on their face like what are they what are they doing like there is there there's no sleeves they're about to shuffle it like a deck of cards and like people just 
they just don't understand. It doesn't comprehend. There's also there's also those in the, in the that really find the nostalgia of that you know it, it lives in an old revised starter deck and, and yeah. you know when people see it, it it gives them you know kind of the yeah the, the, the feel goods and you're like shit. I I remember pulling my cards out of one of those and yeah. shuffling them up and playing them and. I mean that fear always turns to joy. Yeah. And then watching them try to shuffle it when you're like, here, try it out, and it's like they've never shuffled a deck of cards before because there's just this. You want to like try and be nice to it, but you shouldn't. You should just not give a shit. Yeah. So, so what do you guys feel about um, spiky content though? Like, because even though I like to play stuff that's a little bit spicier just like you know I'm, I'm not trying to win the tournament I, I might want to do a quirky weird thing or just play a card that I really like or something I still do really enjoy reading and listening to content that is about like hyper optimizing stuff yeah you know so I like the all things podcast I like reading people's articles and write-ups about you know the, the very minutia of card choices and why this is better than that and I, I like understanding that and I really love that aspect of magic because I feel like if there if you didn't have the ability to go deep and that depth didn't exist then the game wouldn't be as rich and rewarding even if you choose to sort of play in the kiddie pool or the like the shallower end you don't necessarily delve into all of that super deep stuff I still think that it's essential that the game have that available so that it be a, so that it can be as compelling as it is. Like, do you guys um, follow any of that other stuff just for the enjoyment of, like, the mastery component of hearing people who do have the, the time or the expertise or repetitions yeah, to, think, to be yeah. able to, to, to do it? Yeah, he, he yeah. hyper-consumes those sorts of things. Well, I think it's really easy to, you know, look at, look at deck lists and, all right, this, you know, the ATOG and... And shops this is how are, I win. Are, so. And the deck. I mean, they're mm-hmm. kind of at the top of most lists, you know, from tournaments. And it'd be really easy to take one of those lists and just build it yourself. And but to be good at it is a very different thing. To you know, to actually know how to play shops, yeah, and how to interact with it and other decks and how to board. You know, boarding is you know is probably the most important thing in a in a tournament setting is knowing how to board a deck. Yeah. And what read to bring your in, opponent's you know, decks. What to bring out, et cetera, and knowing the meta to some degree. But um, I think that uh, I, I think that you, if you're not if you're not consuming that content, it almost it's almost for the better sometimes because then you, you have like a fresh take on on what's you know how how you might play Atog. You know, you might someone could hand you a blue red Atog deck. And you've never played it before, and you're gonna—you would probably play it different than had you been studying, studying that deck and the meta and all this shit for weeks or months. And yeah, I kind of—I've I've actually been really interested in the idea of having a tournament where you show up and and everybody puts their decks like puts their decks in a in a big on a table, and you go up and pick one randomly. And, and that's the deck you're going to yeah. play that, that roll weekend. of the die yeah. Yeah. that I, would be fun that was something you know when yeah, you play yeah sleeve them and just put a number on the back of the sleeve and then yeah, yeah everybody there's just a, there's a bunch of deck boxes and you yeah. go up and choose one and you play it and, and that's what you get and that's how you're going to run yeah. That, yeah. that tournament yeah. I finally I think that would be a a really good way to oh, I, I, I kind of did something like this like for myself um, for our Halloween uh, get together this past year so I had a, I, I started making a bunch of um, basically budget old school decks just to have on hand and lend to people or you know try to get people interested with, uh, with cards that are not super expensive yeah. and so I actually built about a dozen 
of these, like mostly revised, you know, all the, the, the white border printings when possible, you know, HP, MP cards, like as cheap as possible. So I built like about a dozen of these decks and I bought some bags of Halloween candy that have all like 10 or 15 different types of candy in them. And I, uh, I put each of these decks in a different cheapo, like ultra pro deck box and taped a piece of candy to the top of the deck box. So it like the deck corresponded to a piece of candy. And then I had my opponent pick out of a, out of a bag, a piece of candy for themselves at the start of each game. (laughs) And I would just play the deck that corresponded to that piece of candy. And I I did it not, not for every match. I did it for every single game. So I ended up playing, there was only one or two of the dozen decks that I ended up not playing throughout the day. But it was so much fun because I didn't know what I was yeah. going to be playing. Like even in the even fifteen minutes from now, it could be something different. So I think I that was your super Almond fun. Almond Joy deck, yeah, and your yeah, yeah. Kit Kat deck, yeah, Almond Joy and Kit Kat, yeah. yeah. Kit Kat was uh, was much more tuned. Did your yeah. opponent get to take the candy from your? There was your a lot of bags? candy. They got so to yes. eat the candy. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, the candy. I didn't yeah. take it back from them. That would have been that would have been a real a real power move, a psychological dick move. Yeah, you know. It's like when you take their deck and shuffle it too hard in front of them to make them upset. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd be you like, you pick the candy, but I'm taking it back. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's your spike in the spice. You yeah, know? yeah. No, I let, them, I let them eat the candy. I feel like, I mean, going back to what you were saying about, you know, consuming spike content versus playing spicy decks. Yeah. I think, I just feel like it's, it's always necessary. I mean, in life, if you're being... Know if you're you're thinking beyond the box, um, but yin and yang, like having both, is what creates that balance. It's what it what's it's what creates value on both sides. Um, and I think that although I you know I agree a lot with what Justin was saying, I do feel like having some understanding of what the spiciest decks are allows you to be able to like break the rules, break the mold. You like you know what works, so now let's see if there's other ways to make it work but with my flavor or, yeah. you know, uh, you can add and subtract better when you know what it's supposed to do and yeah. how it's supposed to function originally. Mm-hmm. Like um, learn, learn the rules before you can break them. And yeah, you know, like for a chef, like you'd have to know how to make meals that taste good before you really start innovating so that you're not just throwing a bunch of stuff, you know, Together. in a pan yeah. and it's not going to taste good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, be able to fine tune that stuff. Awesome. All right. Any other any other thoughts on spike versus spice before we wrap it up? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that I think being spiky is okay. I don't I don't think you know it gets a it gets a bad rap sometimes. But um, I also think that if you if you're a spiky player and you you can't take a joke or you lose poorly, that's when that's when shit goes you know goes yeah. to hell in a handbasket. Like it gotta be able to lose you know well that that's an interesting topic too which is like the the choice to play a deck and try to win versus how you actually handle yourself as an individual yeah because you can win and lose poorly with a good or a bad deck and that's probably a topic for like a different episode but you know those two things can be independent uh you know your choose you're choosing to be hyper competitive but also choosing to be you know, a pleasant person to, to play with. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'll tell you, if, if that Lord of the Pit comes out and I beat down with him and I win, you're gonna hear about it for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a glorious. That's get, a glorious yeah. shit right there. You lose. You lose graciously, but you're a very sore winner with yeah. that deck. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I think that wraps up this episode of Nerds in Cars Talking Cards. Yeah. Uh, we're still in rural Missouri, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. If you have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to leave them below. Thank you. Thank you.